0: your help lord whether we know it or not whether we're aware of it or not we need your help and we thank you that you give it so freely it's a blessing it really really is it We never need to have any doubt when we come to you that we can receive what we desire. And that's so wonderful. We thank you for it and we bless you for it. Open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear today. Keep us awake and alert and allow us to be able to receive everything you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I did want to remind everybody again about our special on Prophetic People. Volume 1 and Volume 2, uh, it it really does have good information in it about what the prophetic anointing or the prophet's office anointing blesses the people of God with. I mean, I, I'm just so um, always encouraged when I see people reaching out for knowledge and understanding because for so long we've lived under the authority of only one ministry gift and so and and forbidden in a lot of places to even search for any kind of food that would feed us other things that we need and so i'm just really, really thankful that God has given it to us to do that so it's prophetic people volume one, and then volume two is prophetic people and the gifts of god and so uh, they if this one goes into a little more depth, and if you get Both of them, we will give you this one, The Office of the Prophet, for free. Amen. So it's $20 for all three books. You can't do better than that. Amen. And so, uh, uh, we're, we're going to do that. And uh, I'm, I'm really planning to, I'm praying about doing more teaching on the Prophet's ministry because I see there's a lot of confusion out there about who can prophesy and who you prophesy to and um, all those things you know to prophesy really means to utter the inspired word of god you know through through the gift of prophecy through the uh, uh holy spirit uh gift of prophecy and so many times we think it's telling somebody's fortune because that's what you see people do a lot. They they want to tell you you're going to get a new car. They want to tell you. But suppose you come to somebody and your family's in trouble or your marriage is in trouble or your heart is broken and and all of that. God doesn't skip over an immediate need to promise you something material. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it's Money can't do everything. And, and things can't do everything to make people whole. And so there's much more to uh, the ministry of, of the gift of prophecy than we know. And I think if you get some understanding, you'll be able to get more discerning. More, more ability to tell when God is really speaking to you and, uh, really the gifts of the Spirit are, are really to benefit everybody. Not just the body of Christ, but there's a person, uh, sleeping on the street that needs you to understand that that maybe God wants to heal them right now of a trauma they've had in their lives and, and set that person free. And so unless we understand the full function of that ministry and, and that anointing and the gifts that come with it, uh, then we won't be as fully equipped as God wants us to be. So we're all about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. And and uh, that's what we do. So those are available for the month of June. So we're in the month of June now, and um, praise God. Just uh, go on the website, yes, Miss. yes, 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 and pick our monthly special on the website, amen, <laughs> amen. So I got it right, yay, praise God. So we're going to continue talking about uh, the fact that he helps our unbelief, that's me, Jesus, helps our unbelief, and that is it's a, a comforting thought. That he would, uh, come to our aid and our rescue. Uh, many times when, when you try to help people's unbelief, they get angry at you. <laughs> yeah. I know from experience, you know, if, you know, you, you want people to receive what God has, you know, and I'm, I'm not perfect in, in things at all, but, you know, I can discern when people really aren't using the faith that they have available to them. To get things done in their lives, you know, uh, and I'll instruct people, well, you know, I just believe you need to do this and, and things will get better for you. And they can't relate what's over here to what's over here. But because you can't relate it doesn't mean you can't use your faith to do over here to get over here. See, this is, this is how faith operates. Faith does not make sense to the carnal mind. And, and we see that all over the Bible. What is this with spitting and, and making mud and putting it on somebody's eyes and they go see and you tell them to walk and go see and they're blind. See, none of this makes sense. But in faith, it's doable and possible and, and what we desire will come forth because we're, we're walking by faith, not by sight. So really you, you have to shut your natural eyes and open your faith eyes and just walk around doing what you're instructed to do by the Holy Spirit and you'll get there. There's no other way to get there than to go there. <laughs> Amen. And so many times we just don't think it's going to work and uh, what did the disciples say when Jesus told them to drop down their nets for a catch? Oh, we worked all night long. He said, "Do it again and and many times that do it anyway. When we say we've done it already, we've done our best. I did what I was supposed. I'm not doing anything wrong. I obeyed the word. I did, you know. I paid my tithes. I go to church. Blah, blah, blah. We think that there is never more to do or a more correct way to do anything, but there is. Because if you don't have it, you must be missing it. Got it. So the prophet's job is to get you over to where you can get it. Not sit here, wringing your hands and wondering, because there's always something we can do. there's always another prayer to pray, there's always an instruction to bring forth to people so that they can get from over here to over there. You know uh, when God says, "Set your hands to something," that that means that you must make a motion. Into what he's telling you to do to get there, you understand what I'm saying You've got to do something, you've got to move. It's like the the lepers that were sitting outside the gate. Why sit we here until we die? If they knew they had to do something, and see that those are the beginnings of faith. That's how faith stirs us. It tells us this what I need is not going to come to me. I've got to go to it. Amen. I was sharing with somebody some instruction that I had given them and I knew they weren't following through on it because I knew it didn't make sense to them. And I shared with them my testimony of how I got rid of fear. You know, I was housebound. I I was scared to go out of my house. I get nervous every time I go to the door and, you know, and then one day it dawned on me, if I'm going to get out of this house... I'm gonna have to apply myself every day getting out of here. Because this is what we do when we want something from God. We try it for a minute and then when it doesn't come, we go sit back and just, just, you know, just go back to our little stronghold. You know, where the enemy has us strapped in and he shuts the door and he locks it up. And then he puts an angry guard dog on the outside. And that's why people get angry when you tell them to do things that they think are stupid to do. They don't want to do it because they're in a stronghold of unbelief and fear. And, and, and to make sure they stay in there, the devil makes them angry every time it's mentioned. Because many times we can't envision ourselves doing the things God tells us freely belong to us. So when somebody comes by and says you can do it, you don't know me. I don't need to know you. I don't want to know you. You understand what I'm saying? Not at all. So I, it, it, I was, you know, I was a new Christian. I wasn't in a church because I was too scared to go out the house. How are you going to go worship and you can't get out your front door? Amen. And so I was reading my Bible and, and it dawned on me that if I would just do something every day that was an attempt to break this, cause I knew it was something I felt like I was trapped within myself and I couldn't break free. It was a stronghold. You understand what I'm saying? Devil had me bound up in fear and and I would go to my, my back door because that was the way out of, out of our apartment and just touch the doorknob every day. And then one day I decided I would open the door. Then I did that, open the door and close it, go back, sit down every day, but I did it every day. See, in order to do something different, you got to apply yourself. And that means every single day. You can't skip a day. You skip a day, you start over from square one. You got me? Right. If you want to break something off of your life, you have to be diligent. The Bible says God rewards people who diligently seek him. That means like a student. You go to school every day when you go to school. Amen. You know, you take certain courses in college, but you put in an everyday effort just going two days a week. So you have to do it consistently in order to see change. And I remember going out of the house and saying, I'm going to drive my car. Today is the day I drive my car. And I went down and sat in that car and didn't turn it on, but I sat in it. That broke the fear, that first level fear. And then I went back upstairs, and for days I would go down, sit in the car. One day I turned the ignition, amen, backed out of the parking lot onto the street, around the block and back again, and I did that for a few days. And then one day I was saying, I'm going to go to the store. I set my goal at going to the store, and I went to the store, and I went in. And see, the more you use your faith, the easier it gets for these things to move out of your way. Because your faith is growing every time you use it. Now see, that's a simple example. Now most Christians will say, I ain't that bad. But if you're not able to get from square one to square two... And see, we don't appreciate that we can set our hands to anything and make progress for a big thing. See, just because what you are doing doesn't pay off in the arena where you are, doesn't mean that your faith is not working to prosper you somewhere in your life. Because it can't fail. And see, this is where people lose the battle of diligence is because they're looking for something to happen over here because they're setting their hands to something here and God prospers them over there. They don't like that. How come I can't have it this way? This is the kingdom, say Burger King. You understand what I'm saying? But he said he would prosper if you set your hand to something. Amen. It's like you you you're you're working and you're you're striving. Say for instance, you know, like Miss Nola's in insurance and things like that. Right now, well, she applies herself to what they tell her to do in insurance. It may take some months before that pays off. Sometimes years. But in the meantime, God is still prospering her. You know, somebody will say, well, you know, uh, you know, I want to buy some of your jewelry to her. And because she's setting her hand over here, the jewelry all of a sudden starts to move. You got me. So you have to keep your hand in something all the time to see that the kingdom begin to prosper in you and see it advance in you. And at some point, that thing that you really desire will come to you because you consistently did it, And God encouraged you along the way because he brought you fruit through other doors. Amen. There's always fruit for us as believers. Amen. Somebody will send you a birthday money through cash app. And you weren't even expecting it. But it's because you're setting your hand towards something over here. And God sees fit. He can't bring it to you through this door quite yet. Because your faith isn't strong enough to pull it through. But he keeps you encouraged so that you don't get discouraged and quit. The worst thing to do with anything God gives you to do is quit because you think it's not working. Amen. We do that all the time. You know, people will, will uh, start to, to tithe or start to give and the devil really messes with you when you start dealing with money because he likes to keep us thinking. That will never prosper, will never make it. And so he'll, he'll do things like, uh, you know, make all your bills float in at one time. You get an inflated gas bill. Everything is over twice what it was. And now you got to chase that down and get that corrected. Amen. And to keep you from consistently giving. Amen. And so, and we know that the kind of life we want to live requires consistent giving. Amen. And so it's the, the, the thing is always to, uh, deter us and cripple us and make it think, make us think faith does not work, but faith works all the time. God just wants us to do it. And see, once the pattern of, of doubting it and overthinking it, And saying it won't work. Once that pattern is broken in your mind. Then God will start to bless you through what you want to be blessed through. But see as long as you're start and stop. Start and stop. I'm going to do it and watch and see if it works. You'll never get anything from God that way. Never. Because faith does work. See you got to have faith that faith works. Amen. You got to believe it works. And if you don't believe it works. Then you have to do something to break that stronghold of unbelief and doubt in your mind that tells you that it doesn't work. Or you'll trust God in some areas and then you won't, don't want to trust Him in other areas. That's very common. People will trust Him with their finances, uh, eventually, you know, at some point, but they don't want to trust Him with the job, the career, the health, the, you know, do, can I get a spouse? can I get married? Can I have all those things? Uh, they just don't want to trust him in that and you you run into that stronghold in your mind. you know I'll see young young people oh I want to get married and then when when you know something happens, a married person starts to have trouble. See that's why I'm glad I ain't married well yes, what what do you really believe? Right, right. See you tell on yourself. And so that stronghold's gotta be broken. Or you'll, you'll say something like, uh, I'm glad I'm by myself. I don't have to ask nobody to do permission to do nothing. You think married people just ask each other's permission all the time? I mean, you get tired of that after a while. You just, you know, maybe don't ask me every time you want to go somewhere, you got blanket permission. If you know what I'm saying? Eventually that gets worked out where you, you know what to expect from one another and you don't have to go through all those details and changes. But this is how the life of faith is. We have to believe everything in the word of God. You can't just believe some things and haphazard stab at this and keep watching to see if God's going to bless you, my goodness, you know, if I do this, is that going to work? Well, are you believing it's going to work? If you don't believe it's going to work, it won't. Amen. But you got to believe it's going to work. Amen. It's like people when they, they you know, we send them a prayer cloth or something like that or a tape. Those tapes sometimes would sit there forever. They never listen to it. See? didn't get well some passed away you know and you'll ask maybe a loved one did you did they ever receive the stuff we sent them for yes around here somewhere they didn't listen to it and there was their healing sent free to them in the mail all you got to do is listen you're listening to something they listen to oprah they listen to the news they listen to everything else so is, this is not you doing anything different. You're just changing. You're switching channels. That's all, inclining your ear to God's word, and so the life of faith is a life of consistent obedience to the leading of God, to His Holy Spirit. What's He leading you to do that is going to uh, bless your life and 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 that kind of thing? We have to consistently do those things. There are some things we just do because they're the right things to do. And then there are some things that we must do that that will break a stronghold that won't seem right to us to do them, but they work. They work every single time, and they work without fail. So this is this is how unbelief is broken, really. This is how doubt is broken, is by consistently doing the word of God and doing the will of God. Doing what God said to do. So we were talking yesterday about how he helps our unbelief. Men. And so one of the ways he helps our unbelief is this way of doing what God instructs you to do, even though it looks doubtful that it's going to affect what you're trying to attain. Got me? So those are uh, prophetic instructions that he will utter to us. Amen. The woman with the issue of blood, we we take her for granted. But look at what she had to do that was uncalled for, unique, and even illegal to get her healing. But she kept pressing because something in her told her that was the right thing to do. Where everything around her told her was wrong. Amen. And so we have to understand that many times God will require us. To jump over our natural, in fact, every time. You jump over your natural thinking. Now, many times it makes sense to us spiritually and it's easier for us to do it. If it's something we've always done and it's always worked. Don't get that confused with something your natural man may tell you versus what God will tell you to do. Because at one point, giving didn't make sense to anybody in here. Give to get. Seriously, how's that work? But our minds got converted, our minds got renewed to that, and the word helps that a lot. You begin to read scripture that told you, "Give, and it'll be given to you." Good measure, press down, shake. Until you got tired of hearing it, and and you started, it started to work on you. Where you would give a little bit, and you saw you didn't go broke, and you didn't get to sit out on the streets. So you gave a little bit more. You gave a little bit more. Gave a little bit more. And so it's, and so God wants us to live a life of giving because He's a giver. He wants us to imitate Him at all times. And so this is why the, the kingdom principles come into operation and we can actually bring heaven down here on earth by doing these things that seem foolish to the natural man. And that the natural man wants to fight. He actually wants to fight not to do these things. And so you have to understand that you've got a tiger on the inside of you, sometimes of unbelief, that wants to keep you out of what kingdom benefits God wants you to have. He'll fight you real hard against this. Ah, that's not going to work. You saw so-and-so do that. The reason they do that is because yada, 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 yada. And so you'll, you'll have to beat that stronghold within your mind. Amen. Get the fear out of your heart. Fear of lack. Fear that God won't. Fear that you don't. Fear that you can't. Amen. All the, the excuses that come in there that tell you that these things are not for you. Amen. They are for you. Because God has laid them up for you, but you've got to use your faith to get it. He's not going to just bring it and plop it in our laps. We've got to use our faith to get everywhere that God wants us to get. And we can't say we don't want these things, because once your heart's converted, you want them. (laughs) Everybody wants somebody to love them, and they can love them back. Amen. Everybody wants comfortable surroundings. Everybody wants plenty of everything that they, they desire. And so once you understand that that's normal and God has a way to provide it to you, then get to getting on the program. Amen. (laughs) Stay on the program with God and what he wants you to do. So we were talking yesterday about the example we had was in Matt, in Mark chapter nine and Jesus uh, began to heal this boy with an unclean spirit. They had been on the mountain of transfiguration. He comes back down to where his disciples are, and there's a a um, what you call a brawl going on. A man supposed to be a healing meeting, and it's actually a brawl. And he said, when he came to his disciples, verse fourteen, he saw a great multitude about them, the scribes questioning with them. So this is not a healing meeting now, it's a, an interrogation. Amen? Uh, when you let religion take over, that's what happens. A bunch of questions and, uh, you know, if you gotta get the right answer. See, this is where we get fear of going to God when we got problems. Because we've all been exposed to religion. Where religion is, is, is It's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's designed to make you feel inadequate. It's designed to make you feel rejected and pushed away. It's designed for all those things. Amen. And, And don't let the fact that there's religion in the atmosphere deter you from doing what God wants you to do. See, this is, this is the thing. Many people have bowed to religion all their lives. You know, we didn't like going to church because some people look at us funny or they weren't nice. They never smiled and all that was true, but that, that has nothing to do with God. So these are just people doing things, hopefully, <laughs> you know, the best they can, but some of them don't know, even know God and need to know him. So in your search for God you're going to run into all kinds of people that say they know God but they're they're not your they're really not your source of anything. See these are the roadblocks that the enemy puts in there to keep us from finding God. So you didn't find him at that place go to another place. Amen. Shake the dust off your feet and this time pray and ask God to lead you to the right place. Amen. Just don't accept some invitation, but let him ask him to lead you to the right place. Now you're going to find funny people everywhere. You go to your job every day. You go there for what? The paycheck. But it's all kind of funny people up in there. Amen. And you some days, you one of them. Amen. Amen. So, so that's not new. People being this way and that way is not new thing of it is can you you find out god why am i here you're here to love people you're here to forgive people that's that's lesson number one christians have to learn how to love and how to forgive and so that lesson is taught best when you have something to forgive (laughs) amen (laughs) so you're going to always have that and god is testing you to see if you'll do it consistently Amen. You gotta be consistent at what you do. That's, that's when you're living by faith. Walking by faith. Walking means doing it consistently. Amen. Not here and there. And when you think you want to be nice to somebody and this person is okay, so you're gonna hang with them and that one ain't, so you're gonna just reject them. Amen. You pay a high price for that kind of living. Amen. Not much will come to you that's good. And so here they have this this conflict going on. The scribes have taken over the meeting, amen. And so that's a big no no. Whatever you have to do, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're a minister to control your meeting. You do it. You have pe- put people out. You put them out, amen. You love them, but you put them out because they're out of order. It says, in and he asked the question. The Jesus asked the Pharisees, "Why are the you talking to my?" My students here, why are you what do you want to know? And one of the multitude answers see the Pharisees shut up you don't see one answer from one I mean a scribe one answer from anybody to jesus 's question, and that's what generally happens when you confront an illegal presence in the uh, in a meeting where god's in charge. You confront them, they show up, shut up. They might try to give you a little back talk, but they'll do their back talk and leave. Amen. And so not one scribe answered. Somebody else did. There was this little boy's dad. And when he saw Jesus, he just began to spill his guts out. He says, you know, I, I brought my son. Your, your boys couldn't handle it. It's too big for them. And, and, and so I, I, I want him to be healed. And so Jesus in verse 19 talks to everybody. And calls them a faithless generation. That's everybody in that crowd. The scribes, disciples, this man, his boy, everybody. Nobody's left out. Because Jesus senses unbelief in that atmosphere. And it can't be anything else but unbelief if the scribes have taken over. And so he answered them, how long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring the boy to me they brought him to him when he saw him right away the spirit tore him and he fell to the ground and foamed at the mouth and so while he's down there foaming Jesus asked them dad how long has this been going on <laughs> huh? now you may not think so but this is the beginning of this man's cure for unbelief When he comes to Jesus, he's upset. Verses 17 and 18 are an upset father. Wherever he, this boy, it happens all the time. I mean, all day long, this, this thing grabs him, throws him, trying to drown him. Out. <laughs> so Jesus just looks at him. And when the boy does what the father says, he usually does, which is another issue unbelief tends to speak of things as though they are, and they continue. So you see, as long as the dad's complaining, carrying on, this boy is going to be down there. So Jesus kind of breaks this chain of thinking in this man. See, this this. This questioning that he questions him is not emotional. Jesus asks him an unemotional question to break this emotion that this man has got going on with him. And he begins to just bring him out of that and bring him into his remembrance so he can, you know, get on a more neutral plane in his thinking. Calms him down. He doesn't say calm down, but this is how it's done too. How long has it been that this happened to him? He said since he was a child. He says, and oftentimes it casts him in the fire and the water too. But if you ever, blah, 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 blah. so he begins to ask Jesus what he wants. Comes out of it long enough to ask him for what he wants, and so he tells Jesus, if you can do anything. In other words, your boys couldn't do anything and I don't know if you've got the goods either. You see how doubt operates? See, doubt always wants to blame God. That's, that's the, that's the bottom line in doubting anything. It blames God. Actually, doubt, unbelief and doubt, you know, when you, when you're in unbelief, it's because you believe something else instead of the Word of God. See, the Word of God is usually the new concept in your thinking. And it meets up with a lot of other stuff that you already believe. For instance, we've all heard cancer, they call it the big C, when that name is mentioned, everybody trembles. We've been taught to tremble. We've been taught to fear cancer. We've been taught to seven danger signals. Remember those days? A posted those everywhere and people were constantly checking themselves to see if they, you understand what I'm saying. So when somebody says you're healed already, huh, what? <laughs> see it comes into conflict with all that. See, heal comes into your head and seven danger signals and you got a fear cancer blah, 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 starts batting it around in your brain. And it slaps it right out of your thinking. And pretty soon you say, now that don't work. I tried that. So-and-so tried that. You don't know what people tried. And you don't try God anyway. He tries you. You're being tried right now to see if you really believe. Huh? We go to (laughs) church and confess all kinds of things. And I believe this and I believe that. Well, you're going to have a chance to prove it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. It ain't purdy, but it works. So he says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now he's accusing Jesus of not having compassion, not having no skills, not being up to snuff. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, this is on you. To believe. And this man knew the condition of his thinking, of his heart. He wanted to believe it seems, but he knew he just wasn't there yet. And so this man in in truth tells Jesus, I do believe. He cried out with tears. I do believe. Help my unbelief. See, this cry out to God is always heard. It's always heard. I don't care if you're sweating, crying, whatever it is. It's always heard. Now this man might have been trying to pretend like he believed before. But after Jesus gets finished working him over in the Holy Ghost, he tells the truth. He says, I believe. He said, but I just can't get this right enough to believe right so that my boy can get healed. So I got some unbelief and I'm acknowledging it and I'm asking you to help it. Amen. And so what does Jesus do? He talks to that spirit and tells him, leave that boy and don't come in here at him anymore. See, an honest answer, the expression of what faith you have. He's got faith because he still wants the job done. Wanting something has an element of faith to it. Because at some point that faith will get active and you'll start to operate in the laws of the kingdom. So you can receive what it is that you need and what you don't have. And so he's he's using what faith he has and he realizes that he believes some. If he didn't believe some, he never would have brought the boy to the disciples. See, he had that much faith. And yeah, he got. Road blocked and and sidelined, but can he continue? And when he talks to Jesus, it shows you his faith is still active, and Jesus sees that. See, if he had taken the disciples can't do it and walked away, that would have been the end of his faith. But he stays there. He wants the boy well. Amen. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. He was trying to believe that he received them, but he wasn't getting any action on that, so he realized there was still some glitch there that wasn't right, but he confessed it to the lord you You think your confessing things is not worth anything, but I'm telling you it'll get you a miracle cause you got him one just being honest before God it, it you look at all the crazy religious people prophesying to one another and telling them they're going to get this and get that from God, and they don't know God. They never ask God if they should tell people that, if that's him talking to them. So putting God in it tempts the, the scale so much in your favor that it's crazy not to go to him and be honest with him and tell him the truth. They told, this guy told him the truth. He said, you know, I think I do believe, but it's something about me. I can't get it together here. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and told him to come into him no more. The spirit cried and they thought he was dead. Jesus lifted him up by the hand and he arose. And so this, this business of belief and not belief, Can be remedied very quickly by God. We see that here. This isn't like it's. Well, boy, I gotta listen to the Word more, and I'm, you know, you just start to believe you have it now. See, if you want it now, you believe. See, many times we don't want to ask God for something now because we think that's impolite, or we think it takes a lot of faith. To get stuff now. Well, people are getting stuff now all over the place. Huh? Drug dealers are getting stuff now. and Burglars are getting stuff now. How come we can't have stuff now? They want stuff now. We do too. Amen? If you're suffering, you want relief now. Amen? If you got a bill due tomorrow, you want money in your bank now. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with believing for now because Jesus has already provided for it. If he's already given it to us, what's our problem? Lord, I thank you. I have it now. I see that in the word. Calvary paid for it all. I'm not waiting on anything. The bill's been paid. The debt now, see, some people don't think they owe a debt because of their sin. Now, if you think like that, you better start over again, understanding things. Because the only thing that ever stood between us and God's kingdom was our sin and the unrighteousness that comes with it. Now that you're righteous, there's nothing stopping. See, you have that available to you through the covenant that we have with God. He is our righteousness. He lives inside of us. Just yield to him. Listen to him. Do what he tells you to do. And the things that you desire are yours. But you've got to accept that the work's been done already. The payment's been made. You've got to believe in that. You've got to believe that these things have been done for you. And you have everything that you need now. If you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, that's everything. He's everything. You can draw from his wisdom, his knowledge. You draw from his words. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say to make this thing happen in my life. Give me the the desire, the right desire in my heart for the right things. Sometimes we don't want what's right. We want what we think we want. Or we think what we we want, what we hear other Christians say they want. Amen? We pick up a lot of ideas like that. And so if, if you don't understand what it is that God has for you, just go ask Him. He'll tell you. He wants to tell you what He has for you so that you can, can work with Him and not, you know, uh, have trouble with what you're doing. So Jesus tells this guy, all things are possible if you believe. Amen. Now the man has already said he believes. Is that enough? Obviously yes. Amen. Your faith is more, more potent than you think it is many times. Amen. If you just keep standing on the fact that you believe and keep driving doubt away and leave it up to Jesus to help your unbelief. Amen. This, this man got it. He figured it out standing right there. See, Developing your faith is Jesus' responsibility. Exercising your faith is yours. Amen. So this man confesses to Jesus exactly what Jesus told them. You, you're unbelieving. So the man says, I'm believing the best I can. I'll, I'll, I'll own the unbelief part, but you gotta help that. See, at first, he puts Jesus on the spot for everything. Amen. He, he tells him, if you can do anything, and if you have compassion, then help us. So he's telling Jesus the things that he expects him to bring to the table. This man is saying, it's beyond my means to help my boy. I've got to make sure that you're moved to do it. So if you're, if you're willing, like if you got, if you love us, if you want to help us, if you, if you can do something for us, please do it. Amen. And so he keeps Jesus accountable for what he must do. There's a part of it that God has to do. And so it's right for us to keep, keep him accountable to do that. So the man kind of searches Jesus out, and you know, and, and, you know, do you want to help us? And. Uh, You know, if you can do something, I mean, we're in a bad way here. And Jesus told him, if you can believe, so if you can believe I'm compassionate, if you can believe I have the ability, then I'll do it. Amen. That's all. There were only two things he had to believe. See, you got to believe something about God that's true about God in order to get God to move on your behalf. And so this man figures, he says, well, you know, if he could if he could help us, only two things might be in the way is he can't do it like his disciples couldn't. Or he's not in the mood to do anything. He doesn't love us. He doesn't want to help us. So he, he brings that out in the open so he can address that with Jesus. All these things, sometimes we think in the back of our minds and we never confess them to God. Whenever there's a delay, there's always some blaming God involved in it. God, you could do this right now if you wanted to. You got me? This could all be over if you would just, when are you going to? And then we get into the religious side. What am I doing wrong? Well, what you do by faith, whose idea is it for you to do those things? You're being led by who? So then you dump it back on him again. (laughs) What am I doing wrong after I'm being led by the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to do that's wrong to do? That's not getting me what I want. You see what I'm saying? So it all falls back on God at some point we just naughty like that. See, when we don't want to be responsible for the little bit that we're responsible for, it's not much. We Abraham and Sarah turned back time in their bodies because they judged God faithful. Not powerful, not loving, not kind, not generous, which he had been all of those things to them, but they judged him faithful. In other words, he did this when we were young. He can do it now that we're old. He doesn't change. And he's faithful to us. And so there's an attribute of God that we have to bring into the picture that will get us over. Amen. Compassion is one of them. Love is one of them. He loves me. He wouldn't leave me like this. This is, this is not God's plan for my life. And I know that I'm healed. Amen. So you, you've got to bring it into the character of God. You've got to bring God more into your thinking, and this is what this man did. He met Jesus and he sees him and he wants to find out what kind of man he is. And so when when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the spirit. Why did he wait till the people came running together? Because he's got to teach them something too. Amen. He's a crowd teacher and he's got to let them see that he does have compassion, that he can do this and that it at a word, he rebukes his spirit and this thing comes out of this boy. And so in, in dealing with unbelief though, uh, we have to understand, like I said, there is something else we are believing instead of what the word says that blocks our faith to the word and so that stronghold has to be broken by meditation repetition and listening to wisdom on the word you know our tapes are archived from like way back there's no excuse for not knowing the things associated with the ministry of the watchman or with the believers ministry so, so you can always get those things. So it, there's help for us in our unbelief. So really no excuse for it, uh, because we can build our faith through meditation on the Word, through sound doctrine, through wisdom, revelation, all of those things. Uh, we, we have to have those things so that we can get, um, our faith working the way God wants it to. So, um, this this man though properly places the responsibility where it belongs and i think this is another thing that hinders us sometimes in attempting to believe or you know exercising our faith somehow we get it mixed up and think we're ha- we have to bring it to pass when it's god who brings it to pass amen And, and how do we, how do we, how is that expressed when I say we're trying to bring it to pass? Well, when you think you don't listen to the word enough or you don't confess the word enough, you're trying to work and keep saying it and saying it and saying it and make it happen by your much saying Pharisee. (laughs) Remember Jesus rebuked the Pharisees? He said they think they'd be heard by their much speaking. So religion has taken over. You know, many times if you will spend time meditating and thinking and and making sure the word fits the mind of your spirit, you know, it makes sense to your spirit man. Many times those will be the most productive times you can have with the Lord because you're you're rightfully processing uh who he is, what he can do, what he's promised. What do you do? How do you express your faith? Uh, Your faith is expressed by your words and your actions. So express your faith, not your fear that God won't do it if you won't confess, if you don't confess it a lot. So make sure you know what you're expressing with your confession. Oftentimes your confession is needed by you to keep reminding yourself that God is working. That God is, is active in your life. That He's doing something that's very, very profitable for you. Amen. And begin to rest in the hope that you have. You know, my hope is that these symptoms will one day all leave. In fact, I want them gone now. Amen. And always correct yourself when you find yourself putting the wrong timing on something that God has for you. I believe my symptoms are gone now. In Jesus' name, I received this when I prayed. I have it already. I received it then, and I thank you, Lord, that you will bring it to pass. And so as long as you have a free expression of your faith in God and in his word, trust him to bring it to pass. There is a season for it. It happens more if we will expect it. Amen. So in addition to hearing the word, Speaking the word and in doing whatever action related to the word God prompts you to do, there is an expectation then that must be there. And it's not a, a expectation in your flesh. It's a spirit expectation where your spirit man is believing to the level that he expects it to happen at any time. Okay? You have to keep your spirit man engaged because your flesh will get engaged in it in a in a hurry. Your flesh will start looking and looking and looking. And when it doesn't happen, (sighs) the air comes out of the balloon. That's the wrong expectation. See, that's expectation in your flesh. You don't want to keep indulging your flesh in the things of God. Keep your spirit engaged and just walk in confidence that God heard you. He's working on it. You don't have to keep asking him for it over and over again. He heard you the first time. Question is, did you receive it? Amen. Did you tell God you receive it? Lord, I thank you. I receive my healing. I receive it now. I am healed now. Amen. I am healed now. I'm not waiting on anything. Because the devil will come right up to you and ask you, what's taking so long? <laughs> Nothing, devil. Did you hear me? I said, I'm here now. I have it now. Amen? Where, where we run into trouble, you know how how you'll start to doubt. You don't think it's doubt. You think it's just normal to question yourself about what God's doing, even though that's none of your business. Huh? The um, I I'm I I'm trying to think of two things. Did I write down the scripture I was thinking about, and where did I write it? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, right. Laugh, laugh if you must. But um, we try to explain. You, you ever try to explain to yourself why you don't have your healing yet? Or you have a symptom that was gone for a season and is flared up again. What's the first thing you do? Wonder what wonder why this can't wonder, 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 and so you're then that's your carnal man. he's trying to get involved in spiritual things, which ain't his business, but the wondering always comes from your flesh. From your carnal frame and you'll start to wonder well i wonder why this symptom is now i haven't been bothered with this in a long time wonder this i wonder what i did to make this happen and then you try to go back in in your thoughts and figure out and trace all your steps and Oh, I, I ate something funny. Yeah, my cousin, you know, I ate this over, I had this over at my cousin's house and they don't cook, they don't clean They dishes good over there. Well, what you eating it for? That nasty, nasty dish food was good going down. So we begin to try and answer where there is no answer available to us. Because the question's wrong. See, if you, if you own that there's something wrong that I'm not healed, you unravel everything you just spent months trying to build up by declaring you're healed every day. And see, this is what the enemy does to us. He comes to us with something Negative in the natural that he knows he's going to get a rise out of us. For us. We, he's got to get a response from us on this. And instead of saying we're healed, we start to wonder why. Why what? We're not healed. You got it. So he gets us to walk back our confession all the time. <laughs> He'd do it every day. This is what he does for lunch. Uh, He eats saints breakfast. But the Bible clearly tells us that the seed, I'm trying to think where this parable of the seed is. A seed is planted and it grows overnight. We know not how. That's, that's the gist of, of what Jesus taught in that parable. So is your seed of, of health planted in you? Or are you still doubting it? Mark? Yes, like I was gonna say. Okay, here it is. Sorry about, it. thank you Shannon. Parable of the growth of the seed. Well that's pretty obvious. It said, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. So once you've put your seed of healing out there, you believe you receive your healing when you pray. It's going to grow inside of you and you don't know how. Why we keep trying to explain to the devil why we don't have our healing yet when we have it? See, we're trying to explain a process we have no knowledge of and we're not going to get it. God doesn't want us to know how the seed inside of us grows just accept that we will have it in due season. You will receive the full of it in due season. In the meantime, whatever you need daily from God, ask for it. If, if the symptom causes you pain, you say, God, thank you for delivering for me this, me from this pain, pain. I command you to leave me now in Jesus name. See, we get lazy on our confession. We get lazy on our rebuking. We get lazy. That's stuff we need to do. Now, he's not going to tell the devil to leave you alone. He told him that already and did an excellent job at it. Then he passed the keys on to us. We have the keys that unlocks the kingdom of painlessness and righteousness and peace and joy. But the main thing the devil do, I mean, he's going to attack you from time to time. He'll give you a pain here and there. And he wants you to meditate on the pain and try and figure out how it got there. And, and your health is growing. You know not how. So how you going to give him an answer for something you don't have any knowledge about? God's not going to tell us everything. Ooh, we'd be a hot mess. The more information people get, man, the crazier they get with it. Well, I was reading it, so and so and such and such. Oh boy. Huh? What did God minister to you out of that? What truth did he minister to you that's useful? That's what I thought. Go somewhere and sit down. It's just like I'm doing. Amen. So what is unbelief? Uh, in 1 Timothy 1.13, it, unbelief is associated with ignorance. The apostle Paul, said that about himself he talked about how he persecuted the church and he said i did it ignorantly in unbelief amen so it's associated with ignorance and it's associated with darkness because hebrews 12 refers to it as an evil heart of unbelief so it's the part of your heart that's not been circumcised amen There's some things still in us, in our flesh and 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 in our members that won't yield to God. You're trying to root those things out with the word. And so as we labor to enter into the rest by believing God, unbelief then has to leave us and not stand in our way anymore. So the more you feed on the word, the more you Speak the word into your situation. Confess the word over yourself. The less unbelief you have to deal with. You know, it gets smaller and smaller as a hindrance, uh, in a, a, a mountain in front of your, your answer, in front of your promise. The root word for unbelief means to convince by argument. So that thing's going to argue with The word, when the word comes into your heart, unbelief is going to try and convince the word it has no place in your life. (laughs) So, so you got to let the word win out. You got to be adamant about it. The uh, unbelief means also to have confidence. Unbelief is very persuasive. It has, it will, it will gather facts to present an argument that has Makes no sense whatsoever. Amen. You know, it, it will build a case against someone, something, God's word, God's truth. Amen. It's like, you know, it, it, many times over the years I've ministered to people who were having problems with relationships and they would list 15 things that was wrong with the other person. You know, so they're they don't want to believe that they should forgive that individual and move on in life. I mean, this is really hindering you from living. And and they build a case. Oh they did this and they did that, you don't know, and they did this and they're this and they're that and they you don't know that person. You understand what I'm saying? That's how unbelief argues against your faith. So when you step out and start believing God's word, put your boxing gloves on. And be ready to find more word to support what you believe because that unbelief is building an argument and a case against you where it wants to defeat you so that you don't step out against unbelief. Amen. It, it, it means to persuade and obey unbelief does. Amen. From the root word of it. It implies that there is no help for the person. In unbelief, but there is. There's always the word. Cause unbelief will, will lock you down in a stronghold and throw away the key. And, and the answer is the compassion of God to come in and release you from that and his word to penetrate and bring you out of that. Amen. When the person hears the word, strongholds weaken. And that's what the enemy hates. He hates to get weak where he's been strong. And they are eventually broken and the light of God comes in. Amen. If that person will purpose to make a change, just humility and listening will get that change started in people. We've seen it when we lead people to the Lord. You've had relatives that made fun of you, watched you for years, and then all of a sudden one day, yeah, I went back to church. Yeah, I love the Lord. I said, wait a minute, what? Wait a minute, hold it. I've seen this before. You know, someone will like the apostle Paul in your life. You know how the Christians ran from him. They said, nah, we know what that dude will do. We don't trust him. Amen. So, so there is help for us in unbelief, and we, we prove that with this scripture, uh, with the man with the son. He said, help my unbelief. So he looks to Jesus as help for his unbelief. And that's what we need to do. There is help for our unbelief. Don't feel condemned because your faith isn't up to snuff. It's not bringing in what it should bring in. Actually, mostly there's nothing wrong with our faith. We're just not using it. Not using it. Many times when Jesus would see the disciples he would ask this question, where is your faith? Is it over in something in the natural instead of in the kingdom where I can help you where I can do something with your faith when you put it in me. But if you're going to put it in what you see and what you think is wrong with something and what you don't like and uh uh-uh, that won't help you. So you got to keep your faith in God's kingdom. Where it will work for you. Where Jesus can see it and has access to it at all times. Don't put your faith over here in this world. Amen. Just because you want this world's goods, that don't mean you put your faith in the system. You put your faith in God and he will freely give you all things. He says that. Amen. He won't withhold any good thing from you. Christian behavior that isn't, isn't wholesome or isn't productive is the result of unbelief, not weakness. Do you hear me? You know, I would tell people all the time, you know, I say your problem isn't, isn't that you, you have lust for the wrong things. You just don't have faith for God stuff. Your faith is over there in your flesh. It's not in what God has for you. So it's a faith problem. Well, some people believe it, I don't know if you. <laughs> or people say, i would be glad when I get so and so much money so I can get so and so. You don't have a money problem, you got a faith problem. Your faith is over in money instead of in God's. Put it over here where it belongs. But no, we think God ain't going to give it to us fast enough. Well, when did he get to be so mean? Is he worse than your mother and father? Didn't they feed you two meals a day or three? Keep your faith over in the kingdom. I see people think, well, you know, I'm not believing God. You believe God to get across the street you got everything else you want. you you got to believe God for the next breath that you take. You understand what I'm saying? Any change that you make in your behavior, in your thinking, must be done by faith. That word must come in to your spirit and motivate you to obey it before you can do anything. Got me? Anything consistently. You know, I, I prayed with many young people, young man that kept saying, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I can't live celibate. I can't do this. Yes, you can. You just got to believe you can. And quit looking at stuff that distracts you and, and weakens your faith. It's not your flesh you got to beat up all the time it's the confidence that god has delivered you from that power and you can walk away from it amen the the way you exercise your faith if you you don't want to sleep around or you don't want to fornicate you just walk away from it see that's a corresponding action to what you say you believe about yourself you walk huh or you do what uh joseph did you run huh but that's a corresponding action. And see, that's where people think they're weak. Well, I can't, you've never tried it. You try running and see if it don't, see if your legs don't work. They work to get you every place else you need to go. Come on now. So all we talking about is little muscle movement. See? And, and many times people don't take the time to put the word inside of them to understand who they are in Christ. Even though the way they live is defeating them every day. And they're ashamed and embarrassed at what they do. But they don't use their faith. I tell them, I said, one day you're going to realize what your faith is for. And you're going to pick it up, dust it off, and begin to use it. For what God told you is for. For you to live right before God. Amen. You can live for God. Amen. So Jesus' job then is to help our unbelief. If it weren't, and see, when we go to him and and we're asking him about things that we want, we haven't seen them yet, you know, classic example, we think it's up to us to conjure up more faith. I got to confess the word more. I got to read more. I got to do this more. No, he's there to help our unbelief there may be one little thing that we need to change that's blocking the whole process. And we keep going to him with our ideas of how we're going to fix it. Now listen, Jesus, I know I can fix this. I know I'm on trial here. I'm being tested. Huh? (laughs) Unbelief, really, to be honest with you, is a protection for your faith in a way. Because it keeps you from putting in the natural realm. It keeps you from putting your faith in the wrong thing. And causing disaster in your life. It's a protection for you. For instance, if, if I told you that they, they've developed a, a balloon that will, will, with a GPS on it that can take you from here over to your house and bring you back again in three minutes. Yeah, Most people say, really? Uh, pass me by. I won't have anything to do with it. See, that's unbelief. It guards your heart from fake stuff. <laughs> fantastic stuff. And stuff that we know just won't work. Well, isn't that the way God's word sounds to us the first time we hear it? <laughs> it sounds fake, fantastic, and it won't work. And yet it does. So unbelief comes into play to protect us from believing, from believing in the impossible. Amen. Like it always does. So on the one hand, it can be your friend if you're just a natural person. But if you're a Christian, it's your enemy because it'll keep you out of the things of God. See. So we have to understand that unbelief becomes the enemy where it once was your friend. Amen. A lot of things are your enemy once you get into the kingdom. Amen. You know, it, people who were hooked on drugs, did, you know, whatever they were hooked on used to be their friend. Oh, I, have to, I could get when I get home and I just relax and knock a few back or, you know, take a smoke, take a hit on something. You know, I just felt so good. That was your friend. Now it's your enemy because the Holy Ghost takes over that position of keeping you content keeping you peaceful, amen, keeping you strong. And so we've got to trade these things off for the right stuff once we come into God's kingdom, amen. So praise God. Um, Why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 15. How am I doing on time? I could do the world over again in nine minutes. I could paint my bathroom in nine minutes. No, I couldn't, but... It's a nice thought. because So we got Matthew chapter 15. It's the story of the Syrophoenician woman. I wanted to show you something about how Jesus helps her unbelief. In fact, when you look at the stories where Jesus had to what we call deal with people, um, they didn't just come up and show their faith and get what they want and keep it moving. He had to wrestle a little bit with them had to talk to him, had to counsel him, that kind of stuff. And so that's one of these situations. It says here in verse 21, Jesus went there and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Sir, send her away, for she's crying after us. He answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs of the that fall from the master's table. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you even as you want. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now this woman has a level of faith that not everybody had to begin with. When she comes up to him, where's the daughter? You got it. What did he say to the centurion that said, I'm not, I'm not uh, worthy for you to come under my roof. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. He said, great is your faith. I have not seen so much faith in Israel. Amen. And so the faith that he could speak a word to somebody who's remotely away and they be healed is a high level of faith. So this lady comes to him already with a high level of faith. But we can see it ain't faith all the time. So what is, uh, uh, I think it's 1st, 2nd Peter say, add to your faith. Virtue to your virtue, knowledge and, and all of the things that support and strengthen your faith so that when it meets resistance, it won't fade. It'll come bounce back and come back stronger. So you got to add something to your faith. Faith has to be, patience needs to be added to faith sometimes when we have to endure things before we receive the promise. So there are many things that, that that need to be added to faith, but this thing virtue—that's strength and power, that's resilience, that's long-lasting power. Virtue would be like uh, the the Greek interpretation of it is manly strength. Amen. Actually, that word virtue has a, a, a Latin root which means man. V I R is man in Latin. Amen. And so when when we add that. Strength—that's the highest human strength you can have, Amen. And so here she comes, and she has a high level of faith already, but it's going to be tested because she's got unbelief in her, just like everybody else does when they first start, just like the the guy with the son did. And he so he answered her not a word in verse twenty-three, and and then the disciples get involved, you know, and that's un, you know, it's not right, but. He, when he began to talk again, we don't know if he's saying this specifically to her or to the crowd in general. He's only sent to the lost, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord help me. So it's like, okay, I'm, this is what y'all do. I'm, I'm Israel now all of a sudden. Right. Israel were worshipers. They, they, you know, they understood the worship of God. So she tries that. She's trying everything to get rid of her unbelief. This is like us. I gotta confess the word more. I gotta do this more. I gotta do that more. We keep trying different things to see if it'll work on Jesus. Amen. And so she came to worship him, said, Lord, help me. Then he gets to the root of things. What's holding her back? What's holding her faith back? It's unworthiness. She don't think she's worthy. She's heard the Israelites calling her people dogs, and he he cuts to that. He says, "Well, it's not right to take the children's bread." I told you, I only came to the lost sheep of Israel. I know you ain't one of them, huh? And so she she instead of walking away. Without it, she comes back again. That's virtue. She adds to her strength virtue. Because she accepts the social, cultural norm that they're considered to be less than the Israelites. But in her heart, she knows better. Huh? So Jesus is trying to get to what's in her heart. Just like he's trying to get to what's in all of our hearts. When we first started to believe, you know, people say things like when I first started, I thought this is going to be easy. I thought I'd have my healing like two days, three weeks, three months. It's been all this time. and But yet I've gone closer to the Lord. You ever heard that? And it's true. And that's what he wants. He wants you to drop the pretense, drop the fake confession. The fake I got it all together and I believe I received when I prayed. But I don't really believe what she said. You understand what I'm saying? He wants all that to stop. Amen. And when she, when she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs of the master's table, that's how she really felt. Amen. She could have saved herself a lot of trouble and came up and said that to him at first. Just like us. We can save ourselves a lot of trouble. We come to God. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to confess the word. I'm trying to get my healing. I'm trying to rebuke the devil. I'm trying to pay bills. I'm trying to do all this stuff. Why is it not working? But for an honest saying, he commends her faith. Why? Because it got, it it got out. It got loose from all of that cultural stuff. I'm not good enough, you know, i'm not or you know sometimes you'll be a young person uh coming into a congregation, you think all the older people have more faith than you do, and more, you understand what I'm saying, I'll never be able to pray like they pray and all that kind of stuff, and um you know that has to be knocked out of the picture so that we can get our faith loose so that it can do what it's supposed to do. Because Jesus knew she had great faith to begin with, but it was being hindered and crippled by this cultural thing, this unworthiness. You can't believe you have it and believe you don't have it at the same time. Either have it or you don't. So you got to get rid of that thing that keeps telling you that you don't have it. And you can't have it. And you're not good enough to have it. And nobody gets it in this short a period of time. And all of that. Amen. So once we understand what we're up against. And that virtue is necessary. Virtue is that thing that makes you bounce off of the mountain. And go hit it again. Amen. And that's what she did. She bounced off that mountain twice. And hit it a third time. And came up with that healing for her daughter. And we can do the same thing. We've got to. Sometimes you got to add determination to your confession. Add confidence to it. Add, I've got it now to it, and I'm not going to be denied. God, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to get this. I'm not walking away empty-handed. No, not at all. And devil, you get out of my way, because I'm going to get this, because God has it for me, and I'm not settling for nothing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding that comes with your word. Lord, we bless you. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. We understand, Lord, that you want our faith to to always be visible to you. That we always need to be involved in some kingdom activity that requires our faith, Father. That's what you gave it to us for, not to sit it on the shelf. Not to save it for special occasions, but to use it continually. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Then I'll pray for the people on the Internet.